0: You've been planning and planning your learning event, but something comes up and you have to change your plans. What do you do it? How do you pivot in the moment? We're going to focus on that with a bunch of guests as we join the Learning Geeks podcast starting now. Hello, hello, my friends. Hello, everybody in the virtual studio so hey, hey hi how are you guys ah,
1: doing well. well
0: i'm excited about Good. our guests today yeah. yes. yes excited yes. to be here yes yes so you just heard the voice of one of our guests who is the one and only elliot Maisie. elliot joining us from uh new york correct actually new york, saratoga springs in upstate saratoga new york. springs yes yes so as not to be confused with the city uh right. the lovely saratoga springs Uh, We also have uh, the patron saint of the Learning Geeks, Ms. Allison Horn, (laughs) joining us from Baltimore.
2: Favorite, favorite title. Like nowhere else (laughs) can I pick up a title like this. So thank you forever for that.
1: I'm I'm sensing a little bit of sarcasm, though, with that one.
2: None, absolutely. I don't think so. (laughs) No.
1: That sounded genuine to me. I think that's (laughs) legit.
0: I think that's legit. So, um, so, Hey, thanks everybody for being here and we want to go ahead and jump right into it. So, um, let's talk about this situation because it's something that, that does come up from time to time. You know, we've made plans. Uh, we are tired probably because we've been working really hard on planning a learning event, a learning experience. And then something happens where we have to make a last minute pivot. Um, you know, what do we do? How do we handle that? Uh, how do we look at that as an opportunity? Um, how do we help the people who are impacted feel better about the situation and feel better overall? These are all topics I would love to cover today. Um, so actually, I would love to start, Elliot, with, with your thoughts on this. I know you've been giving a good deal of thought to this in just some recent days.
3: Well, I think we're going we're gonna to play a, a letter game. Uh, We're going to take the letter E, which often stands for the beginning of e-learning. And then we're also going to take the letter C. And the reason I want to use this sort of letter images is that when something happens, whether it's an emergency or an opportunity, we often have a plan, an objective, a set of activities, an audience, speakers. And the worst thing that we can do is to do cut and paste. You know, it's absolutely almost impossible to take a wonderful class. I was going to do in a room of 15 or, or a keynote in a room of 10,000 and just put it into a digital remote or virtual model and have it work. What I think we really need to do is a moment of design and we have to say, okay, we're now in a different reality. Our assets, our resources, our, our people are in different modes. They might be blended. They might be all remote. They might be working from home. They might be working in some distributed asynchronous areas. And let me try to design it. Now, here's the letter game. We'll start with E because, you know, in a, in a crisis, right, people will say, okay, well, we'll go to e-learning. And Wikipedia either praises or curses me from Ben, one of the people who helped introduce the term and pioneer that in the early 1990s. Uh, The biggest mistake is to say that the E equals um, electronic. What I really think it means is everywhere, everyone uh, engaging, evolving, efficient, uh, maybe sometimes entertaining, maybe not often, but it could be easy, uh, What we need to think about is when we think about e-learning or virtual learning, uh, we want to go to it not because it's distributed, but at the same moment, it creates other opportunities. But then we take the letter C, and I've been playing with that literally in about the last 48 hours to uh, say, when we do something that is not traditional all in the same room, let's look at the C. So I'll, I'll give you a few and you can add a few more. We want to make sure we have the content right, and that could be done by capture. We want to make sure we have context, which is the backstory, the application of that. We want to make sure that we have some collaboration so that people have an opportunity to collaborate. We want to map it to their curiosity. We want to make sure in the end, if if it's appropriate, needed, or a positive, that they can have some certification, that they have some credibility. In some cases, we are going to make sure that they have confidence in that element. And so my design model is we need to pick those activities, those processes, and those experiences that give us those elements. And bluntly, we have to test it because our assumption may not work, our uh, our approach may not work, but uh, there are lots of stories where it not only works, but in some cases, it's even better.
4: Elliot, I might add curate to that list of Cs because uh, a lot of times what we're doing is looking for stuff that already exists rather than creating
3: new. Absolutely, and as you've said very well, that curation is also not only finding it, but rating it, making sure it's delivered in the right moment, format, and the like. So absolutely, and that's just the beginning list of C. Uh, you know, I hope we get a lot more C's. Well, I'm keeping listen. score, so
0: Elliot, you've got eight right now. Dana has one. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for one, and I'm gonna add uh, continuity. Mm-hmm. I think
4: continuity. Ooh, is I was important. thinking consistent, which is very similar to oh, okay. continuity.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. how many C words there were in our field, so this is pretty. This is eye opening for me. This is good. Well, okay, I just Dana's got, got I got,
3: I got a lightning bolt hitting me from somebody who felt bad they were left out. Compliant. You know, because yeah. we've got to make sure it fits into our code of conduct and our code of water and our, and, and our code of regulation. So compliance right up there is another C.
1: So the, uh, a, a C that I have, which is actually the negative C uh, of this, which again, Ellie brings back to your first beginning opening point, which is one of the things that I've uh, been talking about when I talk about with any uncertainty, especially is the idea of not going into this conversion mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly what you said, not jumping into saying, okay, I ha- have a in-person course. I need to put it to virtual. Let's just convert it. Right. And, and, and one thing that I, 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 of course, and I know all of us here usually do, cause we have design uh, a design mindset is to think not necessarily as a conversion because immediately what that creates is an alternative experience, right? It, it's this feeling as if, what I had before was, was much better and much, um, uh, has the ability to create a better learning experience than what you're going to get in this converted state. But it's to step back and think to your point, Elliot is how do I come in with the design mindset and, and frame it in a way where I see a design opportunity. So I can create something exactly using these C's and E's and stuff that you say.
3: And, and in that model, there are two things that are going to give a uh, duration. So we may normally say, oh, gosh, we've got people for two days or two hours. And we might need to build something that is smaller, larger, in a, different, in a different duration. And the other piece, and I think it's a really important thing, let's not view that what we're doing is we're publishing. Because if we move into the publish mode, well, why don't we just send them a PDF? You know, what we are really doing is we are designing experiences, we're designing engagement and we are giving it the appropriate intensity and even occasionally pressure and an opportunity to fail safely so that it's seen as wow, rather than, okay, well, you know, at least I got it in that sense.
4: Elliot, I like thinking of the idea of, as you do that, think about outcomes and experience before you think about delivery. Right. I mean, the the natural inclination is, oh, let's publish, let's make it a PDF because that's quick and people can use it. It's flexible, et cetera. But that's not taking into consideration either the outcomes or the experience that you want people to
3: have. Yeah, I was on the phone recently with somebody and for circumstances, their entire next wave of sales training was going to be done, you know, online to folks. And boy, they were the the, the sales managers were complaining, complaining and complaining. But no alternative. They did it at the end. Literally, what they said was, "It was better. <laughs> it was more engaging. It got more viral conversations going." And uh, you know, they said, "Let's let's look at our mix going forward because it really it really worked." But it worked in that case. These are people who did it were engaged in a user design model, not just a airdrop of content.
2: So, Elliot, what you're mentioning there, right, I think kind of even brings us back to this bigger topic, right? We could probably go on and on for days about the importance of thinking differently when we're creating experiences for different delivery vehicles, right? For digital, for online, for blended, whatever it may be. There's something super unique, though, when our faculty, when our participants, when our learners are expecting something in person. They're expecting an in-person meeting. They're expecting an in-person training center. And something happens, right? And then we have to shift them. And I think there's, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be creative enough, although that is a C word, to kind of bring it into like (laughs) the next C's and the next E's and so forth. But I think, thank you. But Mm -hmm. I think there is something unique about those situations, how we capitalize on those situations to really change the hearts and minds of people who perhaps may not have been huge advocates of learning through these kinds of digital vehicles in the past.
3: And to give you a seed, you know, not only capitalize, but you want them to be captivated. And I go to a piece of research (laughs) from a researcher that was enormously powerful in my life is Madeline Hunter, who talked about you need an anticipatory set when people are learning, meaning when I walk into a class, I have an anticipation. I even try to figure out how many mm-hmm. slides are they going to throw at me. And when I move in a different mode, I don't have that set. So part of what we need to do is to create and to uh, to to literally capitalize on this difference to create a new set of anticipation, which leads to participation from from the learner.
1: So uh, one thing that I wanted to bring up too, and and again, I I know we're linking to the E's and the C's. So Elliot, you got us going. So my E, so let's take this one up, is actually emotional and emotional Mm -hmm. relevance or emotional relevancy. And I was watching, um, I don't know if you guys, Bob, you might have watched this on Disney Plus, but the Imagineers documentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great documentary. And one of the Imagineers said that what they do when they design experiences at Disney, for example, it's about designing and captivating emotional relevancy. That's one of their design principles. And I like to think that too, regardless of whatever situation you are in, whether or not you are designing a blended virtual or in person, is how do you capture that emotional relevancy? And again, going back to the opportunity, that's where I see the opportunity comes in. And now that if, when people have to go in this mode, when they thought they originally in person, this is that moment to let them emotionally see something different, right. In a different light that they never would have seen before. And I think this is where that, again, that opportunity lies where we have the ability to increase the social connection and the collaboration and all that with these individuals, when we, uh, try something different.
3: Uh, I talked, uh, actually earlier this morning with somebody very senior, uh, business leader who was doing a leadership program and was doing it with, uh, you know, an online, I think they were using Zoom or, or WebEx. And he said something fascinating. He had never done it before. He said it was more intimate because historically he's sort of at the front and they're focusing on one person, but literally on the screen were 20 live video shots of each of these business leaders distributed around the world. And he said, He had more emotional connection to them, even when they had to go off to take a, you know, text message or a phone call. So some of it, to your point, is how do we embrace the opportunity and see things that we can do differently, better, or in an evolving—he could evolve in an evolving way.
2: Elliot, we just had a similar story here uh, where last week. Well, as of last week, as of two weeks ago, we were expecting to bring 230 of our most senior leaders in our company in for a three-day learning experience and working session where these leaders were going to be figuring out a whole new piece of our organization and a whole new way of working differently together. And... For all kinds of reasons, we had to shift that to digital channels with seven days' notice. So you can imagine, two hundred and thirty mm-hmm. leaders—they've got flights. There's a resort. Everything is ready, locked and loaded, right down to the swag that is ready to greet them right as they come in. Yep. So, so we shift seven days later. This becomes something that's done entirely on teams and through our professional broadcasting corporations and so forth. And what we landed with was leaders with feedback saying things like this was actually far more interactive and inspiring through these channels and through these different mechanisms than this ever would have been had we actually come together in person for that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a testament to, we've, we've often, I think, then found ourselves in places where we think of, oh, it's a virtual meeting, it's a digital meeting, it's virtual training, it's e-learning. We've often been conditioned to thinking that that's always the second best alternative. We do that because it's cheaper. We do it because it's quicker, but it's it's never because the learning or the experience is better. We always do it because something something else comes up. This is such an amazing opportunity.
3: Yeah. And Allison, let's use an interesting metaphor. You know, uh, look at what computing was like when it was a mainframe terminal. and think about picking up your phone now. Now they, they both do the same function. But Mm -hmm. the experience of picking up that phone is it's probably going to be one touch to get to what you want, one touch to get to what you need. And, you know, if we go to the early days, I remember literally in my office in 94, 95, the people who were starting Centra and NetMeeting and Microsoft had a product. It was all going to be a PowerPoint and a little audio. And now, in fact, it's way more video, way more more present or podcast, but yet very personal. And some of it is that out we're we're at a digital moment where our ability to be better designers given emerging you know, opportunities and learners that are getting more uh, more open to it, mm-hmm. it really is, I think, an inflection point for building other C's and changing what the E's are in in, in our in our
0: learning modes. Let me jump in real quick and kind of as the voice of our listener, right? I think everybody is probably on the same page that we are of uh, it being an opportunity to think more deeply about an online experience or virtual or whatever you want to call it. Um, and the the vision is there. It sounds exciting. We, we want to do all these E's and C's, but it's Friday and I've got people who are expecting something on Monday. What are some practical things that I can do right now uh, t- to get to some of those E's and C's? How, how do they even get started? What are some practical tips?
3: Let's look at modeling. And this is an interesting, when I do something online, I actually model not the classroom, but the one-to-one or one-to-two uh, on-the-job manager or peer kind of coaching model. You know, So one of the things I would argue is that we should be doing less presenting, you know? We should look at that content. Uh, we should look at ways in which the learners can actively interview you, whether it's with chat or, or, or other elements along the way. In some cases, to be blunt, if it's asynchronous, maybe when I tape it, I don't just tape it alone in front of a, a webcam, but I bring three learners there who do things that's missing something in the asynchronous is they ask the brave questions that, you know, I love to hear coming from other folks. And then we need to discipline ourselves to not be structured by our traditions. Those are are always two-day programs, or, you know, they're always very much with a real intense X, Y, or Z. Um, And I actually think that people rise to the occasion. You know, my metaphor always is Rosie the Riveter. You know, in World War II, men went off to fight the wars. Women needed to quickly learn how to to build airplanes and tanks. And they learned it by using much more on-the-job, side-by-side coaching. I actually think in a lot of online experiences, there's more content flowing in the chat room than is coming from the instructor. And how do you not, how do you become part of that rather than see it as a side conversation and and the like.
4: Elliot, you're hitting on several of these things, but let me just ask this question a little bit more directly. What do you see as the untapped potential of
3: the virtual environment? I think the learner ends up having more dials to twist. You know, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, for instance, uh, if it's asynchronous, even if it's a beautiful podcast like this, will probably accelerate it. You know, because I kind of want to hear, you know, Dana and Bob and Allison at one and a half the speed, you know, I think we have to chapter it because one of the things that happened.
0: What's your point, Elliot? Yeah,
3: yeah, I know. But, you know, we have to chapter it, meaning (laughs) sometimes the learner wants to jump past the stuff they already know and get to the good stuff. They may want to resequence it. They may want to go to the end and and work backwards. Um, I also think one of the things we have to allow is for an opportunity for the learner to take the tentatively absorbed material and process it, you know, whether it's through an activity, whether it's by a phone call or or video chat with somebody else, because very often it doesn't get inside or ready for transfer until the learner gets to rehearse it a bit. And uh, and I think that's the untapped opportunity. We can actually do more of that in some ways, virtually, than we can in a traditional residential uh, training mode.
4: Well, another kind of a follow up to that, um, you know, we hit on this earlier too about how some designers see this as a great opportunity. I think there are a lot of other designers who think, "Oh, I'd much rather design instructor led or in person mm-hmm. than than virtual." Or how, how do we how do we capture the hearts and the minds of those who are designing the stuff so they can see the potential and, you know, take advantage of, of all of the possibilities to create something that's even better than in person?
3: Three things. Number one, they've got to experience it as a learner before they can lead it as a teacher. They've got to experience it as a learner first. And it's it's critical because you start to change with that. Number two is you got to let them do what they're best at. You know, very often instructors have our own crutches, you know, that story we always want to talk about the third day we were hired, you know, or, and, and they need to lean on that because that's part of their excitement. And then I think the third bit is to uh, not only experience it, but then to have an opportunity to watch other people learning in that mode, from an observer point of view. Uh, and and the last bit that I would say, and it's an interesting one, I don't like to talk about it being virtual or online. I don't. I never want to refer to the technology. What I want to say is it's distributed the way our, our workplace is right now. You know, meaning it's we're not doing it because of the delivery method or the delivery technology. We're doing it to map to the business reality of where our learners, customers, employees, uh, or suppliers are, you know? And and if you don't think about it as, aha, now I am doing an online speech. No, I just say, oh, I'm doing a speech. And maybe somebody says, well, where are you doing? Oh, I'm doing from my office. Meaning I, I end up not trying to do a metaphor that either Fundamentally makes it a whole new chapter or devalues it against if I were actually doing it in person. I really
4: like that shift in oh, paradigm from uh, distributed.
2: Yeah, I oh, did go too. ahead, Allison. Well, I was just going to say, it's, you know, um, Elliot, we actually kicked off a quick little rapid iteration session this week for exactly mm-hmm. that reason, because we knew there was going to be a huge push towards learning outside of a traditional physical classroom this week, more so than there has you know, ever been at the past at any one point in time. And we took a step back and we were like, this is our opportunity to change the language. None of us like virtual. None of us like online. Blended seems mm-hmm. a little bit too blah. Um, and it's really, I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear you talking about this and to hear you, you know, referencing distributed learning because that really, truly is where we're trying to get to. Um, And then, gosh, that first part, this was one of those you had me at hello when you said you have to experience this first as a learner. That resonates so much with me because, you know, I've been in the the L&D field for almost two decades now in some way, shape or form. And I always tell the story with the space about how it wasn't until three or three and a half years ago that I took the Coursera learning to learn course. That mm-hmm. I walked away from an online learning experience saying to myself, this is a better program because of its delivery channel, because of the fact that it's online, because it's not in person, that I myself even became a true believer. So I, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more on that first point. It, it is paramount.
3: And, and Allison, there are pivots we can do. You know, I found, for instance, a lot of really good instructors or subject or business matter experts are way better being interviewed rather than lecturing online, you know? So much as you guys are doing, you you do an interview, it keeps it dynamic, it keeps it a little shorter. Bluntly, it keeps it into reusable elements and objects along the way. And the other piece that I think is an interesting element is to uh, allow the learner's interaction, once again, a chat or some other one, to push it to transfer faster you know, to really be saying, you know, let's not take notes on the side. Let's look at how what we're talking about can be implemented along the way. And uh it it's it's a really interesting design shift uh for us. And uh I'm I'm excited because I think it it extends what we do as learning and support professionals.
1: And I, I think too to kinda of wrap this part up, I think it, it really emphasizes the importance of us as designers to think outside events whether or not that is run through you you know your digital platform or if it is in person is the importance to extend learning beyond them because um, it just opens the doors for more opportunities just like what you're saying
3: well the one piece i the one piece I would inject and it's weird to put finance and money into it, but I will. You know, In the learning field, we also, as we shift formats, the expectation of what people will pay to do it or, or charge or bill back or the like. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I don't want to take that to the delivery mode. I rather map that to the engagement mode, the outcome mode of that. And I would argue that an organization ought to be able to apply a value to really well done distributed learning that is equal or even higher than what they would in a in a
0: face-to-face. So pulling that along into kind of a final topic before we wrap up, and Jake, this this ties back a little bit to the emotional side of things that you brought up. Mm-hmm. When we have to make quick pivots on our plans, because you know, an, an unexpected event has come up. There's a lot of emotions that come up with that as, you know, as the learning team, as the designers, we're obviously disappointed. Uh, Our learners are often very disappointed. They were looking forward to something and now they don't have it on top of all that. The reason why we had to make the pivot is probably because something significant is going on and they've got a lot of emotions that they're dealing with uh, just in dealing with their life in general. So how do we as learning professionals help Ourselves and help our people, the people that we're serving, work through those emotions and deal with them and keep in a healthy place.
3: And I and I think one of the elements is to understand that whenever we are structuring learning experiences, it is multidimensional. You know, it is the content, it is the context, it is the emotion, and it's multi-stage. You know, we talk about ladders, but it, the reality is people don't get. Or, or transform a significant thing just because we gave a lecture. It's a process of them hearing about it, reflecting about it, adding their own context to it. And uh, we've got a view that we have more tools now and we have more techniques and we have more canvases for which the learner can, can play out, experiment, and experience on their way to a better sense of, of readiness.
4: This has all been really good because we live in such an age of disruption that dealing with disruptions whenever they come and however they come, uh, I think there's just been a lot of great discussion here. So thanks, Elliot. Thanks,
0: Allison. You're welcome. My pleasure. And above all, let's all remember that no matter what's going on, let's inject a little bit of fun and joy into (laughs) everything we're doing. So to that end, for everybody who's missing it, don't forget that uh, new episodes of Star Wars: The Clone Wars are coming out as we record this. <laughs> There's okay, the Star Wars reference in else That was it. We're done. We check it off. And E and E
3: E E can be entertaining
0: as well. Yes. There we go. Yeah, I, I think so. My final scores is I think Elliot had twelve. Allison, I had you at about four. Dana, three and a half, because I gave you a half for outcome as a scene. Okay. All right, <laughs> uh, Jake, well, if I, gave I if you I say two...
4: Bob, can I get double yeah. points if I say Ewok? Is that yeah, sure. Ooh. All right. So they,
0: well, well, that just gets you to four. It's and I Star lost, Wars but <laughs> okay. But it was fun. It was fun. all right. So again, in echoing that, thanks to everybody. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks, Allison. Uh, thanks to my learning geek homeboys here. Uh, And thanks to all of you for listening and participating and uh, would love to hear your thoughts, your comments, reply on the LinkedIn that got you here, reply on the tweet that got you here. Uh, Just get a hold of us, keep the conversation going Uh, until then stay safe, hug your kids, uh, have a great time. And on behalf, on behalf of Jake and data, this is Bob saying, we'll see you on the next learning geeks podcast. Take care. Thanks Thanks, everybody.
1: everybody. special beer.